Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Boy, was it. Emma, today was just another amazing day, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Oh my God, you know, we, we had the regulars, then we had, you know, some of the regular visitors but strangers show up, and then complete strangers show up, and then more complete strangers show up, and we were jumping. And I think I counted 30 bikes at one stage. There was cake and cupcakes. You missed the cookies. They came out right after you left. Ah, oh, what yeah. Fla- what flavor were the cookies, darling? Fresh out of the oven chocolate chip from the well, neighbors. You know, chocolate chip are okay. However, if an oatmeal raisin cookie Ugh. wore a hat, it would be a crown, darling. A crown. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you know, this is a second week in a row that kind of we've been back open, no more restrictions other than the usual COVID safety right, protocols. Right, right. Um, and people dropping by, people needing help, people getting gear. We gave away some yeah. gear and the, you know, to a new rider. I want to start because I want people to make sure that they understand that, you know, there's all these people around. But we're not smooching on each other or, you know, it's it's everyone's being very mature about it. Everyone's maintaining a safe distance. In my case, I'm in the next county. Um, everyone's wearing a mask. It's great. Yeah, but people are dropping by. We had a real crazy. There was this one pack of riders that came. There was a 1989 uh, Honda Shadow 700, I want to say. There was an RD uh, three fifty, yeah, yeah, two fifty. There was a, a three fifty. There was a, a Dyna, like a vintage Dyna. There was a Sim Wolf one twenty five, and one dude was wearing was like on a Maxxis scooter or something, um, yeah. and a CB five fifty. And they're all traveling in a pack. Yeah, I mean, it's a oh, and, and an SV six fifty. A motley crew, <laughs> a very eclectic bunch. And I'm like, this is our people. It's like a little bit of everything. It was really nice. And um, we got to help some people out. Like I said, Isaac sent a new writer who didn't know where he was coming. He's like, shows up in the parking lot and he's looking around and he goes, is this the recycle garage? And I'm like, yes, it is. How can I help you? I was told to come here. I just got my license. And I'm like, step right this way into the into the gear room. All of this is free. And you can see him going like, what? Free? Yep. Here's some brand new Revit Gore-Tex gloves. And here's, uh, he got some leather pants. And Here's the chocolate factory, <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, people <laughs> donated to us and we just give it away. That's right. And it just felt so nice again to, and he said, this is amazing. You know, gear is kind of expensive. I'm like, yeah. It, it was, it was really nice. Um, and we got to help a lot of people, but then Emma, yes, the Grim Reaper. I am the Grim Reaper. You are the Grim Reaper. Oh yeah. <laughs> ashes yeah. to ashes, dust to dust, funk to funky. We know Major Tom's a junkie. Yes, you had to deliver some bad news today. It was. 
death. Death of Dr. Zimmerman. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Bra Zimmerman died. To not just one, but to two people. Yes. So we you found out that oil was very important. Well, Got you know, there's, lesson, there's, lessons, <laughs> there's lessons to learn here. And both bikes that basically <laughs> I acted as the executioner to were both single cylinder, <laughs> Suzuki. And everybody here knows how I feel about Suzuki's. Um, single cylinder Suzuki's and both had suffered a similar fate due to oil consumption and oil being run out at high speed on the freeway. Both Suzuki singles, two completely different bikes. Right. But there is a commonality between the two. And, you know, we can, do you want to go into it now? Sure. <clears throat> so, um, Suzuki singles are an interesting bunch. Usually, they have very, very tough bottom ends, and there's a reason for that. Emma, I'm going to yes. stop you there. Oh, I know what yes, you want. You know what I, I know want. what you want. It's my little chain. <laughs> your chain. Oh, my I little it was chain. her tough bottom end. Sorry. Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> and we point at it and say, there's the chocolate factory, Charlie. And I'm going to stop you there again. Because as John pointed out, I completely forgot introductions. Oh, God, you did. I did. I completely that. forgot. I, I'll be honest. I was so excited because there's so much to share and tell because, well, personally, I had a great weekend. And I think a bunch of people L here all got Liza, to share. In it. Liza. So Liza. I was just so excited. Liza. What? Who's in the studio with you today? Me. I'm Liza. <laughs> 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 also joining us, it's Rick. Hey, I'm Rick. <laughs> I'm so glad we got to this part. It's been oh, I'm so excited. What we got here today? Also joining us, it's Bagel. I did all right today. Yay! <laughs> And in his car, coming home from a, a long day of riding, it's Naked Jim. I know I'm not supposed to say this word, but fuck California traffic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was anyway, a request. There was a request. Run with your brum. <laughs> and uh, from uh, his uh, his Be home in the by driving naked. Yeah, from from his home in the woods. It's uh, John. How you doing, John? Hey, everybody, and a special shout-out to all the people out there with stubby legs. Nobody knows the trouble we've seen. Nobody! <laughs> uh, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, I am going to tell the story. I am going to tell the story today. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> I know what story you're going to tell. It's better, if, than a, it's better than a stumpy leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, of course, it's Miss Emma. I've been drinking gin, and oh. I want to be your best friend. Buckle <laughs> <laughs> up, y'all. <laughs> there it beans. is. Yes, so, give it the beans, darling. So, yeah, uh, so much to share. But, Emma, so we haven't said what these two bikes were. You want to yes. share that? Yeah, so um, uh, perpetrator number one was a... Uh, Suzuki Boulevardier mm -hmm. S 
40? 40, yeah. Yeah, S40. 40. S40. So, I mean, uh, to you and me, that's a savage 650. It's it's Sauvage, darling. Sauvage. Sauvage. It's a Sauvage 650. Um, And um, Mm -hmm. dear Frank, um, who's a regular Mm -hmm. and um, is, um, you know, Frank's a – Frank is full of enthusiasm for motorcycling, um, and he does a very, very good job. He's got an absolutely adorable girlfriend. And um, basically, between him and her, they let the Royal run low on this um, Savage 650. And what I suggested before we even start, now this is a bike that's known to us because this is the bike that, Mikey three times originally mm-hmm. built for Marie. Yeah. And um, so they sold it on to Frank. And yeah. it, I, I believe it's been quite a good bike. So it's got all the leather work and it's oh, bobbed yeah. out. It's very nice. It's a gorgeous looking thing. Yeah. And so um, Suzuki provide us with a very, very large plug on the left-hand crankcase. And you take the plug out and there's a nut on the end of it or in savage's case of bolt and you can turn the engine over mm-hmm. and it's very very handy so we took the plug out and i put a socket on the end of the crank and it was completely seized Ooh. just completely yikes and I'm i just- said well we're faced with a choice now i mean the engine is done yeah the engine's done would you like to dismantle it just to find out what's happened or just move yourself to the designated crying area for a little while (laughs) and then go looking for used engines on eBay. And they chose the latter sensibly. Um, But I'm guessing that was quite a spectacular bottom end failure. You you have to explain the, uh, the crying section. Yes. Well, years and years ago, I worked for Honda, and you might be surprised that some of the staff at Honda actually have a sense of humor. And for a little while at Honda HQ, which was in Chiswick outside London in the technical department, that little area roped off in the corner, and it was the designated crying area for people whose bikes had suffered spectacular mechanical failure. However, it was limited no more than 15 minutes because it was always quite busy. You know, this was um, this, I should Everyone point out this is, this is when the V4 interceptors first came out. So um, those things kept us on our toes. The early interceptors were um, there's a lot of crying over those bikes and, you know, some quite serious failures as well. So only 15 uh, minutes worth. Yeah, but you're only allowed 15 minutes worth because there's a line. Um, <laughs> get, get your crying out and get on with it. <laughs> exactly. So, um, no, it was toast. It was toast. And generally, the thing that will take out a Suzuki bottom end is junk from the top end. Um, mm. I was using the analogy that um, if we compare the oil pump on a bike to your heart, and the oil being pumped around, you know, is the blood in your veins. We we choose an area of your body that's the most vascular, that's the most greedy. And that is generally, it's your eyes. And if you think about it, those are, are 
quite far away from your heart. Now, if you think in terms of people who suffer from um, low blood pressure due to diabetes, they always have eye problems and they always have problems with extremities. It's feet, it's eyes, it's that kind of thing. And so on a Suzuki, particularly a Suzuki single, we choose the area that number one needs the most amount of oil, which is the camshaft. Because everything else in the engine is roller bearing. The camshaft runs directly in the cylinder head. However, in a very, very low stress engine like the Savage, I think probably what happened, and I don't know about without stripping the engine down, but I suspect the cam chains, the cam seized, and the cam seized a piston hit the valve because the cam timing went crazy and then everything dropped into the bottom because generally when you try and get a socket on the crank and it won't move an iota there's a lot of junk in the crankcase and i think that's what we had so killed it dead yeah but the good news is they've been making those bikes uh, the savage the s40 the same same engine for decades Right. And I mean, it's a very, very cynical way of looking at it, Um, but it's a good entry level bike. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of crashed ones out there. Yeah, that's good news. However, there was another gentleman, Rick, who came by with cupcakes. Well, yes. um, Again, Rick was accompanied by his delightful girlfriend whose name escapes me mm-hmm. and i will never forgive myself for that um but she brought cupcakes and a dog yeah. oh, who was the one of the softest dogs i have ever encountered i mean hmm. just soft um and i think it was a malamute i want to say it was uh, a malamute or a husky yeah it was one of those things yeah, yeah. a big fluff but yeah mm. very you know really nice soft dog um, anyway, she brought cupcakes, which were blueberry and lemon. Yes. They were extremely, Yeah, it was, um, it, it threw a wrench into my diet, I can tell you. However. So, and, and Rick uh, is a listener from Colorado who recently moved out here to California, and he brought his bikes with him. And he had two bikes he brought in. One was the um, XR450 plated. Yeah, plated XR450. And that's okay. that was quite an easy fix. Mm-hmm. So we'll deal with that one first. Is the spokes on the back wheel were loose and he would tighten them up and they'd go loose again. Well, what people don't realize with most of the Honda competition bikes, and that's the XRs as opposed to the XLs, they have straight spokes. Mm-hmm. They're called nail spokes. So they don't turn through 90 degrees. They're literally s- straight with a nipple mm-hmm. on the end of it. And there's a tiny little kink in them. Mm-hmm. And so what had happened was he was tightening up the nipple, thinking he was tightening up the spoke, and he was turning the whole spoke. Ah. And it was Ooh. just getting caught enough that he thought it was tight. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it'd go loose again. So, and, they were the, all- and it's funny, though. Those remind me a lot of Bagel. Oh, what, that he's constantly tight? No, the straight spoke with a little bit of kink. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing straight about Bagel. I thought we were talking about the nipple on the end. Oh, my God. And and the twisted nipples, yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so the, the solution there was... 
the the nipples were well and truly seized onto the spokes because they're dissimilar metal. And so the solution was a little bit of penetrating oil on each nipple, repl- you know, just repeat, like bagel. Oh, yes, just like bagel. Repeat <laughs> over two or three days, and then grab the spoke with a with a vice grip so it can't spin, and then just yeah. tighten tighten the nipples up, and then just get that nice ding. Yes. Um, so that's an easy fix. Unfortunately, the second bike, um, yeah. I wasn't content with ringing the bell of death for <laughs> one Suzuki today. I, I would like to say, though, I did ring the bell of death, and I did one of our own pranks we like to play. I slid the Bluetooth speaker onto his bike without him seeing, and I played Whoa. the death bells. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You're harsh. <laughs> the DJ of death. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. Poor Rick. So the I should point out, and I mean, it's really a testament to DRZ400s, which is what this one was, of how tough the engines are. So it was making an ungodly racket. It sounded like, I think the the analogy I used at the time, it sounded like two skeletons getting it on in a tin of biscuits. <laughs> um, clank, 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 clank. But it was running, not particularly well, but it was running. So I said, well, we need to get in and have a look at this. So the lid comes off and I initially looked at the cams. And I, I thought it sounded a little bit like a flat cam. And the cams look good, so I said, "Look, we we need to pull we need to pull the cams out. We need to pull the head off. We need basically we need to keep digging till we find the noise." So um, the cam carriers came off, cams came out, and lo and behold, the intake cam had seized and chewed up the cam bearing. So basically, the cam was bouncing up and down in the uh, cylinder head. Well, there's a lot of the noise, and it's no surprise that the intake cam is the furthermost point in that engine from the oil pump. Quel surprise, mon ami! <laughs> Starvation. However, so he said, well, can I put a cam in it? I said, no, your cylinder head's toast. Keep going, keep going. He was kind of scared. He was definitely beyond the point of comfortable dismantling. And I was like, keep going. And now he's just got like parts everywhere. And he's like, I have no idea how to put this back together. No, it's not going to go back together. You got to, Rick, you got to keep going. You've got to keep going. I'm going down the road for a cup of coffee. Just keep going. And you could see the panic as I walked (laughs) away, but I came back. Um, So, the thing is, whenever you're dealing with a big ticket item like a cylinder head, it's very, very sensible to continue dismantling. Why? Because you want to make sure that the rest of the engine is in good condition. If you get cylinder head's a $10 item, put it on. If it shuts it up, that's great. But even a used cylinder head for a DRZ is like 400 bucks. <laughs> And then you've got your gasket set on top and blah, 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 and the cams. So you're going to spend 500 bucks at least. So you want to keep digging to make sure. So the head came off and the piston looked okay. At least the piston crown did. 
cylinder came off and that's where things kind of went south quite quickly. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So, um, cut a long story short, half of the piston skirt at the back was gone. Ooh. All the junk had gone into the bottom end and destroyed the big end bearing. Yep. Now, there was no up and down movement. And I mean, so at this stage, it would have been quiet. All the noise was from the cam and just from a little bit of piston slap from the skirt missing. However, it was it was a grenade. It was a grenade waiting to go off. So crank, main bearings, because they were full of aluminum cornflakes as well. Piston, cylinder, because the cylinder on a DRZ400 is Nicosil. And there was a big chunk missing out of it. So when Nicosil's chunked, you're done. Yep. Throw away the cylinder, cylinder head and camshaft. And I mean, you're talking just thousands and it simply wasn't worth it. And he was on the brink of parting the bike out anyway um, and getting rid of the bike. So I think we just pushed him over the edge. Yeah. So yeah. He, he made a very long journey from Lodi. And basically, he went back with two broken bikes, one irredeemably broken, and the second one that will be fixed after two or three days of judicious work with a penetrating oil. There you go. Yeah, it was good. But without you there to help him, it's definitely a daunting task to dig that deep into something. You remember back in the day, Emma, it would be like you'd pull out your, your manual like right. I think we all have manuals. I like like the greasier it is, the better. I feel like like hardcore yeah, that a, way. It's a used manual, and it's interesting. Over the years, like just in the time we've had the recycled garage, like I would insist people would bring their manuals, and then you get some of these young millennials, and they'd pull out their smartphone and and get like the PDF and are trying to look at stuff that on their work, phone, yeah. and I'm like, no. Like, no, you need to bring the manual. But they didn't want to buy the manual, so they just print out all the pages. I remember one time Eason came to the garage with it bungee strapped and, like, pages flying. And I'm just like, (laughs) buy the manual for the love of God. You know, and I I must admit, I'm I'm very much the old schooler, and I'm the first to admit it. Um, You cannot beat a manual. Holding a manual in your hands with greasy fingers – Manual in one hand and engine part in the other. I, I have to say, though, I am a bit of a convert because I think the newer way of doing things now it's turned into like YouTube videos, right? Where I'm searching through and I'm watching YouTube videos because it's actually showing you every step and I really like it. And actually, you can go a step further than that and you have things like fixmyhog.com. That's right. Fixmyhog.com. They have an amazing offer. You can sign up for Fix My Hog, their premium membership with our exclusive motorcycles and misfit steel and get a full year of premium membership for only $3. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) $3. So yeah, that's 96% off their normal price. So you visit go.fixmyhog.com slash misfits, and you'll have a discount already applied for you there. 
You can join a community of passionate riders who are committed to mastering their wrenching skills. Premium membership will get you access to hundreds of full-length instructional videos led by master Harley-Davidson technicians. Their videos are focused on helping you develop new wrenching techniques and getting you inspired to complete new projects. So go to fixmyhog.com and how much is it? Three dollars. Three dollars. Three dollars. So, no, you know, no, and so really, to me, that is like the next evolution. I'm still, I love a manual, but you know, there's you have to kind of go through all the YouTube videos and find somebody who's done a you know right. good job or you know hasn't yeah. skipped something or has good lighting. But now, I really like this next step where you have people doing professional videos, and I really do think that that. Is is the next evolution of home mechanics? Well, you know, it's it it gives you something that a manual can't, and that you actually see stuff coming apart in real time. I mean, you've come to the part of the manual was that says, "Oh, take your exhaust off, take your carburetors off, drop the engine plates out, and then pull the engine out to the left, reassemble in reverse order." Right. Yeah, and it takes you 30 seconds to read it and three hours in real time. So with the advent of YouTube, you can actually see how these things come apart in real time. Mm -hmm. You know, something as simple as saying, pull the carburetors off your bike. If you're a novice mechanic and you're still trying to pull the carburetors off your bike an hour later, you think, am I doing something wrong? And the truth is you might not. Because you won't have access to the flat rate times that saying, you know, pulling the carburetors off your CBX or your VT500 is a two-hour job. Yeah. So um, there's that. I mean, the thing that I find most surprising, Liza, is we have anybody who listens to The Misfit who rides a Harley-Davidson after your beastliness. (laughs) Come on. I mean – we brought on Rick especially, especially to counter this. But I mean, frankly, I'm I'm hope you're going to consider. I hope in 2021 you are going to consider changing your ways to Harley riders. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> yes, uh, you tell me those that pack of misfit bikes that was here earlier, right? Yes, and there was a uh, an old. It looked, looked like I don't know. Were they making the? Did I say F? Was it FXR? F, uh, like an 88 or something? It looked like an 80s bike, right? Yeah. And um, he was kind of showing me stuff he's done on it. And what I liked about it is there was like patina and kind of rust with then pinstriping over it, like right. embracing it, right? Yeah. But um, he showed me like, and I got like, he put on Brembo brakes and like he's done some upgrades to it. And I said, that is it right there. This is what I love. Because one of the things that drives me nuts about a lot of big twin riders is like, oh, my, my bike's so fast, I can haul ass. I'm like, but it can't turn or stop. Totally. And if you get someone who recognizes that and they actually make some enhancements to to actually make it a more performance, I'm like, you've got it. That you understand the bike, you understand, you understand it. And I have all the respect for somebody, even though it's a crusty old Harley, I'm like, dude, you're cool. Yeah. yeah That's more cool. than your average bear. Totally. Exactly. Um, so I know I I know I piss some people off, but I think I it's because 
I dig through to the ones who really know their shit and the ones who don't know their shit. That's all. There's a difference. There, there is a difference for me. Um, yeah. And you can definitely go to really levels of real cool with those bikes with simple okay. shit, you know? But it's, it's, it's easy to justify stuff to make it go fast. Like I work at a service counter in parts. So it's, you know, we get people coming in. How do I make it sound cool? Go fast. And then I tell them we're in California. You're not allowed to do anything cool. <laughs> yeah. And then we kind of meet in the middle. And, you know, it's interesting to see where people take these motorcycles too. You know, you've got people that they're, we had a customer with an FXR. I think it was an FX. It was a low rider, maybe a 91 or something. The guy has 200,000 miles on it. Wow all done with this man's own ass on it. Like super fucking cool. Bought it new when the place I worked at was a Harley dealer back in time, rides the snot out of it and brings it in once a year. And he kind of expects about a grand of some stuff to mm -hmm. deal with. Cause he knows it's an old clapped out Evo that's been beat to snot. But dude, every time that thing comes in, it rides killer. Every yeah. single switch works perfect on it. The tank has a huge dent and he doesn't give a shit. Cause the liner's not falling in. Who cares? Yeah. You know, to him, it's like, no, I earned that. That's the time I smacked a deer in Montana. You yeah, know, right. it, it's, it's all the cool stuff that you get to earn along the way. You know, I, your little cars. Yeah. And... I, I always enjoy seeing a Harley written by somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm thinking, you know, the couple of times I've ridden with the SFMC and a couple of the guys there riding diners and, they really know how to hustle on them. Oh, and yeah. it's quite it's quite a wonderful thing to see. You know, yeah. you remember you were on the same run bagel. Yeah. On the mods oh, and on, rockers. Yeah. yeah on mini reds with them. They they are fantastic riders. Right. And you know, seeing a big guy on a big bike blocking and hustling, yeah. and he's he's behind you now he's in front of you now he's alongside you now he's the other side now wait we were talking about big guys on those bikes we were talking earlier about being a bearer of bad news so emma <laughs> got to shut down some people yes can i share a couple i've had to shut down that kind of came well, to mind that was yes. something I, want, I wanted to ask yeah delivering bad news i'm sure you mechanics have had to deal with this a lot and i would assume it's kind of like a doctor having to tell somebody that they've got cancer or something right well, yeah, I mean, the the thing Good is... Good side manner. Yeah, yeah. And, um, before, before I hand it over to Rick, I think what's very, very important to realize is even if somebody's bike is not the greatest, it's very important to them. And it's our job as mechanics to treat it with the same respect that they would, you know, it's, um, it might be a rusty, crusty Honda 90. It might be a clapped out old diner. You know, it might be a DRZ 400 that the engines just grenaded on, but it's their bike and they love it. And so rather than, Oh, ha ha, your engine's blown up. Um, you know, treat, Treat them and the bike with some dignity. So you never know the story. Yeah. So Rick, have you had any weird reactions? How have you dealt um, with this? Every week of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's it's quite often that working at a service counter for a V twin, like American V twin shops, where I'm at right now. My background's a lot of Harley Davidson dealerships before that. So similar bikes now, just a few different ones. 
People come in all the time wanting to do the least amount of stuff. Um, deferred maintenance is people's favorite thing to do to their motorcycle. I've noticed. And, you know, they come in and, and they wonder it's making a noise. It's making a ticking. Emma was just talking about that Suzuki, you know, and it's the same kind of thing. We have a noise. Cool. Let's shut it up. Well, what's behind the noise? What's under the noise? What, was it worth us sealing up your rocker box leak? If your transmission bearings are going out in the main and you know, it's, you kind of have to get the whole story. So you totally nailed it with that. And, um, I remember uh, getting the whole story that pissed somebody off. And then I remember one, one that we oh. So they're both the same deal. They're both Harleys. Oh. You're back. They're both Harleys. They're both Milwaukee 8s. Oh, sorry about that. I don't. So there's two different bikes I remember with similar problems, and they both took it really different ways, which is kind of interesting. So both of them were having oiling system problems. And one of them looked at it as my bike's a giant piece of shit. Now I need to get rid of it. And then the other person looked at it as, well, do we put back in the factory stuff or do we seize this opportunity and maybe put in some better go fast? So we took this gal, Rebecca's bike and we put some cams in it and we did some exhaust and we tuned it up. This is in Tennessee where we had a little more, a little more freedom for that. And, uh, you know, we made ice cream out of dog shit. It's my horrible analogy, but <laughs> it works, you know, just cause something bad happens to your bike doesn't mean you can't replace it with a better part or take advantage yeah. of it. You know, there's no reason to blow your whole motor apart. Your bike's got a thousand miles on it, but <clears throat> if something were to happen and you got the heads off and the cylinders apart, maybe it's time to go, you know, bump up. Hot cams. It's time for hot cams. <laughs> one of the rare opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not scared. <laughs> Get a mail to your friend out of state and then fence them. And them email to you. Not that I'd mm. ever do that twice. <laughs> so so i assume you, you get blamed for the bad news i get blamed for the bad news you know and there's customers that jokingly walk in and go oh screw that guy and they'll run to the other end of the store you know and it's <laughs> but at the end of the day i have another problem where i i work with my heart way more than my wallet emma ruined me from the get-go it, <laughs> it's it's about motorcycles it's about people you know all the other shit works out and it's fine don't worry about it you know so when I get the person with the bike, we were talking about maybe it's not special to you. You know what I mean? Maybe to somebody, it's, oh, it's a 94, It's a little sportster. Nobody cares. Well, I had to pick up one of those recently from somebody that aged out of riding. And to look at this person's face while I took her motorcycle Aww. that she had ridden the absolute snot out of, outridden, everybody went off road with, like, coolest stories. I had to pick it up because now she's into a nice Honda Accord and that's all that her oh. family's going to let her ride. So, dude, wild, right? I bring it back to the shop. It's black and it's got a pink pinstripe on the tank and a couple cool little like rose tchotchkes on it and stuff. We left them all on it. I mean, that's part of the story. I've worked at places that would immediately strip all that. So you'd have a boring bike on right. the lot and then they can dress it up, which, which I get that too. Mm. But this was so rad, it had a story. And then another yeah. old timer came and bought it. Oh, and he just wanted to ride wow. the spot out of it. And I was like, dude, perfect, right? So, you know, we back up. It's That that was an opportunity. We probably could have made a lot of money. You know, we probably could have, like, dressed the bike up and put different bars on it, all this different shit. But that's not what it's about. Yeah. No, it's not. It was about getting someone on a bike, you know, and it making sense. And that bike, he saw what was special in it, too. So that's what was kind of cool. It doesn't matter what the bike is. You know, I've seen like the coolest bagger loaded up with every dude and radio and tchotchke and chicken light thing. Maybe it doesn't excite me too much, but 
But the person that built it, dude, they're over the moon with that thing. They spent years going through the catalogs and picking up the stuff. And, you know. Well, and I had a similar experience this this week. I actually sold two cars and a motorcycle and bought oh. a car. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was, a, it was a big <laughs> week, man. Um, so my, my beloved Jeep Cherokee that I've had for 17 years that I just recently was fixing up, cleaning up. Uh, it turns out I needed to sell it. Um, and why? Thank God. Stop it, Jim. That (laughs) thing. That's my only contribution to the entire podcast. (laughs) That thing has hauled our dirt bike so many times. It's why did you sell it? Because I needed to get a car that my mother could drive sometimes, and she couldn't drive a stick shift. Hmm. Um, and we needed to sell my father's car, which was a Tesla. Uh, so I was able to, I found a car lot that, um, I traded in the Tesla and got cash and a Honda pilot back, which Jim, you can, you can contribute now. Uh, I, as soon as I got it, I drove over to Jim's like, look what I got the Honda pilot. I didn't know. It's a pretty cool car. It's huge. It's got lots of storage. It's going to be an awesome dirt bike hauler and we're like riding around the neighborhood i'm showing it to him and the wheels on the bus go round and round starts playing and we couldn't (laughs) we couldn't figure out how to make it stop (laughs) or turn it off i'm telling you you enjoy your pilot it's haunted and yes jim said it's haunted (laughs) and like i'd turn it off and turn it on and it would start playing the wheels on the bus go round and round and i'm like Maybe this is why it was so cheap. <laughs> but Jim, you'll be happy to know I finally figured out how to get that bloody CD out of the player and I threw it away. Honda Poltergeist? <laughs> but it did. We thought it was haunted. We thought it was haunted. It was a CD? It was a CD in a hidden CD slot that I had to figure out. I'm just glad I can actually roll down the window now without you <laughs> having to turn your ignition on and off and the windshield wipers <laughs> on. You got to turn around three times and spit to make the windows yeah. work. Uh, um, get the hookah virus in that thing. <laughs> but, um, so I got a new car, and I so had to sell the, the beloved Cherokee. But, um, you know, and that was a car that I loved, that I'd been fixing up for myself. And it has a lot of memories. I think every Misfit's been in it at some point. It's even been a portable recording studio for us. I mean, it's done so many things. Um, but I was fortunate to find a young man who was wanted a Cherokee, an old 99 Cherokee. And um, I felt good that it went to, you know. Perfect. Yeah, it was good. It went, it went to a good home. I felt, I felt good. And then I sold a motorcycle today. What? What did, did you, you sell? The turbo. Oh man! Here's the deal. Um, uh, we had you know a lot of rain recently, and the garage uh, it, it it floods because water just comes in underneath the doors, and the whole area where I keep all like the vintage bikes, like the CX, where there's a carpet there, it flooded, and like I feel so terrible because I don't have a big garage, you know, and I don't have a good garage that is 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 dry enough to keep old bikes in and that bike is of a certain value and can be better in another home so i offered it up i mentioned it on the podcast uh, with the caveat that whoever buys it gets 
uh, a, a $1,000 credit of Emma to fix whatever they want. Cool. That's yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we had uh, a listener, Eric, come by today, and uh, we went through it, and um, he was stoked, and he gets to have Emma fix some of the cosmetics. And she, Emma, you had some very good advice. I was saying that this was a good candidate for restoration, but you had another direction. Right, and I think that bike is close enough that it needs preserving, preservation rather than restoration. Mm -hmm. You know, bikes are only original ones, and when you're presented with a bike that's in really, really bad condition, and it, it, it's a bike of value and it's a bike that may be historically important. You know, restoration, the decision to restore it's very, very easy. But then you present it with something like the Honda. Now, the Honda, it's, it's really on the up and up. I mean, every year that goes by, it's becoming more valuable. Um, mm. But it's not, it's not valuable in terms of, you know, Vincent or Ariel Square 4 value right now and to be able to keep to store a bike for its value to go up you have to be able to keep it preserved i don't right. have a garage yeah. that can do that right and so this cx even though it's got flaws it's all original and i think the flaws are small enough what i suggested to the new owner i said look keep the original paint do a what's called a color correction on it, which basically means that the top layer of paint is going to get buffed down and it'll really bring the color back out. Do some localized touch-up where there's a chip. The biggest problem with that bike, and it's kind of our fault, we bolted the fairing on, we just used whatever fasteners were around. Mm -hmm. And so we used a bright zinc fastener. Now, um, when that bike was new, all the fairing fasteners were black oxide. And it's, it's a peculiar kind of, it's almost a green-black. Mm. Um, Honda loves that color. Oh, I know that, yeah. Yeah. And so basically what he needs to do is spend a couple of hundred bucks on the original fasteners, and it's really going to lift that bike. Do some polishing work on the natural aluminum parts, or as I say, aluminum. And the bike's going to look like a million bucks with just minimum effort, and it's original. And that's the important thing. It's an unrestored bike. You know, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been going to the Quail now really since it started and the legend of the motorcycle before that. And it started really with the cars, you know, at the Pebble Beach Concourse. And it's, it's bleeding over to motorcycles now. The preservation class is the one to watch. These are the original vehicles, the unrestored vehicles, the ones that have a sympathetic hand laid on them. And I'm all over that. Now, I restore bikes, but if you take, say, my Trident, which is a resto mod, I started with nothing. And so that's how I justify doing the restoration on that. And the Water Buffalo, I started with nothing. But the CX, you're starting with really a slightly patinaed, all-original bike. So I think we should keep that and do a very, very sympathetic, not restoration, mm -hmm. 
preservation on it. Make the most of what you've got there. And it will. It'll look like an absolute million bucks. I like that. I, I think I'm going to apply that same uh, same theory to myself. Right. Why lose weight? I'm just going to polish it up a little bit. <laughs> Buff it out. <laughs> Buff it out. Buff it out. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that was um a big week. Exciting time. Uh, look who's joined us now. It's Mikey three time. Yo, Mikey, I muted you. Why would you do such a thing? Because you make a lot of racket. Shame on you. Dragging your heater, heater over because it's, how loud is that? Cause it's 57 degrees out and you got to drag your heater over. Oh, you can hear it? <laughs> I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my garage is like a fucking refrigerator. I put my sodas out here and I just leave them. Jeez. <laughs> um, you know? Uh, Emma, there was yes, a, a contest we started last week. Do you oh, recall? and you know what? Oh, did we have some responses? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled by the responses, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read my favorite. Wait, wait before you do, we gotta remind people what it is. You guys, we're having a contest to win Evil Knievel Stunt Cycle. And yes. all you have to do is write a poem or a song about Evil Knievel and send it to us at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. And we're going to pick the top three. Everyone's going to win a Evil Knievel, the new trail bike. Um, Emma, I got a, I got a short one I want to read first. And then we got yours and then I got another one. We've had quite a few good ones. And uh, this one, I, I'm sorry, I can't do, actually, yeah, I can't do the accent. Uh, this is from Newcastle, New South Wales. And this is from Gwyn, who says. Oh, I'm looking at this one now. <laughs> <laughs> Evil once took the long ride to Throgmorton, which transformed his long schlong to a shorten. <laughs> to make up for that, he behaved like a twat and farted like a 650 Norton. <laughs> Can you send all three of the toys to that person right now? <laughs> oh my god! No, I, I, it's it's I hate to call it early, but as I mean, if you could have put the word vinegar stroke in there, it's the only way it could have gotten any better. <laughs> and and even better, he says, in, in the chance that this shit limerick wins. <laughs> Um, I would like you to donate the, uh, the toy to a kid, a local kid. Oh, very nice. I know. Right. But Isn't you know that what? Great? Um, I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out here and I know postage is going to be expensive. I'm going to send him something. M maybe. And I haven't decided what yet. So did he, did he actually send us his address? Uh, well, I have his email address, so. We, but we have, we're not choosing winners. This contest is going for no, another he's week. Getting, well, yes, but he's, <laughs> he's going to get something. Oh, uh, you liked it? All I right. liked it so much. He's going <laughs> to well, get something. So, Gwyn, um, we need your actual address. Now, I'm not saying you won. E well, you've got this email. Email him. Um, and, and these are just some examples. People are doing a great job. We haven't had any songs. They're all poems. And we're not reading. These aren't winners. Uh, the contest is going till March 8th. Emma, you have one there from... I do. Uh, from a famous person. Do it. Hang on, wait a minute. Oh. Did you see who it's from? God, it's from Budget Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the AMA yes, Motorcyclist the, of the Year. 
the northern monkey herself. Yes. <laughs> Budget Bell, also known as Haley Bell. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Haley Bell, darling. Hello. So here we are. Here is my poem entry for Evil Poem Comp. Are you are we all sitting comfortably? Yeah. Yes. Wait, then bring I your bring begin. your microphone in front of your mouth a little more. There you go. Are you happy with yes, that? Yes. Evil Knievel, what a legend of a guy. He rode his motorbike until he taught it to fly. Buses, buildings, ramp, no matter. Evil jumped them all, mostly landing with a clatter. You see, Evil was exceptional at soaring through the air, but landing his motorcycle, this he didn't care. People, <laughs> people came from far and wide to see Evil in action, but the crowds cheered more when he missed the landing by a fraction. <laughs> Broken bones skirting death. This is very long. Yeah. Broken bones skirting death. It was worth it in the end. To experience flight on a Harley before testing how much it could bend. <laughs> Evil rode a risky game and people thought it was a matter of time before he crashed just that bit too hard and crossed that thin line. Each time he defied death, the crowd was left in a quiver. Who knew the Reaper would come not for his bike, but for his liver? <laughs> <laughs> he was a notorious asshole, but a showman at stunts. He hated the media and called them all cunts. <laughs> and as a final postscript, Haley writes, I want to win an evil toy for writing this tonight so I can call the media cunts too and take off in flight. <laughs> the end. Nice. That's just a great, wonderful. <clears throat> Brilliant. Yeah, there's a bunch that are making me laugh. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm yeah, just glad after the uh, after this competition, I don't have to worry about my language anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you would like to enter to win an Evil Knievel stunt cycle toy, make up a poem or a song, send it to recyclemotorcyclegarage at gmail dot com. We'll be picking a winner next week on our show. Yeah, so we got some good ones. Um, oh, I, I have some more news. I fell in love with another bike. What? what? The good news is it's one of my bikes. <laughs> oh, really? That makes it easier. <laughs> the Which one? 690 Enduro. I finally took it for a nice long ride. Well, you know, usually Jim is my, my riding buddy. We go off on adventures. But... Uh, this time it was John who was with me and we headed off our own adventure out to Hollister Hills. Now, usually we load up the dirt bikes and go there because, you know, if you fall, break a lever or something, you need a way back. But no, we decided let's, let's just go for it. And he took his KLR 650. I took the 690 Enduro and we rode out there, stopped for tacos <clears throat> in Watsonville, as you do. There's got to be food on all my, all my rides. Uh, yeah, exactly. Went to Hollister Hills, which has, uh, during co the whole COVID when they're shut down, they plowed all the paths. So no more like hard pack and sand. It was just all like beautiful. A lot of it was like large, chunky dirt, just like bleh. And 
the the uh, the KTM it performed exactly like I wished it would. It, it was exactly what I've been looking for. You know, I've tried a bunch of different dirt bikes, but for me, it was it rode like a dirt bike. Like you sit up on up on the tank, got your elbows up, and and you know, riding like a dirt bike. But it also tracked like an adventure bike. Like it dug down in. It wasn't like flirting around on on the dirt. It just chugged and. My concern for a 690 is that it would be a little too twitchy and too powerful. But I just stuck that thing in first gear and it was just a tractor, much like the KLR. And I was able to just zoom around and have all the control and confidence there. And John, this was your first time at Hollister Hills. Were you like a little worried going there on a bike like the KLR? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, it, you know, <clears throat> but just one thing about it, it was a glorious day. Let me just say it was one of the, one of the best days of riding I've had in a while. So I'm so glad we got to go out there. I, you know, I've been wanting to go to Hollister's for a long time, but you know, especially because I have a KLR, I wasn't. I didn't want to go out there on my own. I was a little intimidated by the place, so I was real happy when Liza said, "Hey, let's go out there." So, so we jumped on and went. It was a uh, of course, I was a little intimidated because, you know, the KLR, man, you knock that thing over. It's like it takes a mountain man to pick it back up again. So I'm always <laughs> yeah. worried about, like, getting stuck somewhere. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it was a, it was great. You know, we stayed mostly on blue trail or, yeah, blue mm-hmm. trails. And I think we hit yeah, a couple medium, of medium. Yeah, medium trails. Yeah. And uh, I, I just had I ended up having a great time. And we were talking, Liza and I, about, you know, so you hit that point in the day where you're like, okay, now I'm relaxed. Now, I, now I'm feeling it You're in the I groove. Can just, I can just, re- yeah. And it, and I got there and it was, it was awesome. So I was just super thrilled. So Hollister is amazing. You know, if you haven't been there and you're in the local area, it's such a great place to go. And, uh, I don't know that I want to be there in the middle of summer, but, uh, but when we were the dirt, like Liza said, it was just, it was just, it was grippy and it was great. It wasn't, wasn't muddy. So it was, it was kind of a perfect situation. So I, I'm already Jones and to go back, um, back there. It was awesome. And that, and that, um, that store they have there, I think it's Faultline yeah, store. Yeah. Super impressed. I mean, they, those, that guy does does a great job. It's a it's a well stocked store. It's actually worth going there for the store um, because yeah. of that great great gear and great stuff. So awesome day, incredible day. Well, and you know, and and and, and we've talked about this before. Another great tool that we use, and Jim pretends he hates it, but it comes in handy is having the helmet calms, especially at a place like this where. I'm in front and I can say like, all right, big, big dip. So stay to the left on this one or, hey, coming up to a hill, hold back. I'll let you know when it's good to come. Like just for somebody who's never been there and I can tell them, here's what we're coming up to. Uh, But also I'd stop and say, here's where Jim's son got hit in the nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Nuts. 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 It's a great tool because you just like to talk. And here's where Jim's daughter (laughs) sailed through the fence and and almost died. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it was good. We were able to do get into some technical stuff. Did a little hill climb, not one of the big ones. Um, Mike, have you been out there since they plowed everything? No. Uh, Last time I was there was... uh... I think I went after the desert. Didn't I go after we went to Johnson Valley, uh, Jim? And you got angry because I sent you a picture? Uh, I don't know, Mike, but I'm, I can't, it's hard for me to hear. I'm driving back from the Sierras right now yeah. where I was just riding oh. fire roads. 
son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I meant to no. call you. I meant to call you, really. Yeah, no, the last time I was there, it was a bit, um, I don't know how you explain it. Like, some of the roads seemed like they're paved. Like, there's, like, asphalt under it, and then they put dirt on top of it. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff. That's what I was explaining. Last time Jim and I went there, it was hard pack with, like, dr- loose sand on top. And I was like, nope, done. I'm not interested Wait. in riding on this. No, I went, actually, I went, like, two or three times. And, um one of the times Trevor crashed the CRF, um, but it, that might have been the last time I went because I, I, there's still dirt on my bike. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's really good. They've done a lot of uh, maintenance to it. Every single section was open. Um, so we rode, we rode all over. And then when we left there, uh, we still weren't done. You know when you're like in the groove and like you don't want to stop riding, even though it's starting to get colder? Um, we rode the long way home, went through Hollister and then through Gilroy up to Hecker Pass and did like the twisties up over the mountain. And I was so in the groove. Like I was feeling good with those tires and then having that 690 with enough power to really just like blah, every now and then I just like blah, and giggle. Like it does that, <laughs> you know, that's something that I love about a bike that it's there. What I really loved about this bike is it could be a tractor when I needed it to be a tractor. It could be like a supermoto and and have all the power and fun and flickability when I needed it to. The only thing it didn't do well when we're on the freeway doing like 75. And sometimes I'd get kind of wobbles or a track kind of weird. But Charlie thinks that maybe the suspension setup that it put the weight too far to the back and made the front too light that it could create that wobble and that by getting uh the suspension done i might be able to fix yeah, but, that but yeah. the thing about that liza is it like the, the one thing that i kind of started to realize is that like you know if you're going to have a bike that's kind of a swiss army bike like yeah. you're not going to get no you know one great thing or the other and any kind of dirt bike you have they're like long and thin and they they do that on the free. I've never had a bike that didn't. Yeah. But the thing is, you start fucking with the suspension, and then you go back to Hollister and hit a jump, and the shit's too stiff. I mean, it's not going to work for you. So it's like you got to kind of find that middle well, ground. We're going to do another suspension day with with JP Hans. Yeah, um, I need to do that. Yeah, and I'll have him look at it because maybe it's just not right. Um, I don't expect this to be a good freeway bike. The KLR and the Africa Twin are good for that. I can do long distance. I can haul gear. I can do everything. This doesn't need to be a freeway bike, but it was everything I wanted it to be. And it was really good at those things. It was a really good dirt bike. It was a really good, like almost supermoto, even though I had knobbies. So and wait, you bleed orange now? I Is loved that- it. I felt, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. And John's like, every time we go on a ride, you ride a different bike and you tell me how much you love that bike. But <laughs> you guys- you Take my two-stroke, the K10 300, if you like them so much. Look, you all know, you all have multiple bikes, every single one of you, right? Yeah. You all get it. You can have multiple loves. Oh, my gosh. I just realized we're polygamist motosexuals. <laughs> so? Yeah. Why is it always got to get weird? Well, that's you know not I mean? weird. Not I'm it saying it's okay weird. to love more than one like bike. Love? Like, why is it got to be love? It can't just be love. It's got to be like there's going to be some sort of intercourse or, or some some weird shit. You know what I mean? Some penetration. Listen, let me tell you something. You're, you're talking about leaving Hollister when it's yeah. cold. 
I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit about the cold. My problem with Hollister, and I don't know if this is me or my eyes, but like, there's a certain point, like when you go, like you would know as well as I do, because we get the hour trip there, hour back, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to leave early in the morning and get a couple trips. And it's a, depending on who you're riding with, like one trip out could be 30, 40 minutes. Next, you know, it's lunchtime. Maybe you take yeah. another ride, you know what I mean? And then you come back and snack and have some more and then you would take another ride. So it's like, how many rides can you get in a day? But then you have people who are like, oh, cool. Let's do like a sunset ride that fuck that listen 3 30 3 30 and like and and you're you're coming up on on roads where like the sun hits a certain angle and like you can't fucking see so you're going on a path and it's like full sunlight and then all of a sudden you you duck behind with some shade and then like you could be hitting like a three-foot bump and and you're oh fuck you know what i mean and and you just can't see and like i've always been like that where people always want to go out in the late afternoon and go rip through holster and i'm like i'll pass dude like, I'm just good because it's just like, and then, then what happens? You crash off the side. Now you're <laughs> fucked on the cold. And then you, you know what I mean? Now it's too cold because you're stuck with a broken leg. Said the man and with a heater next to him in Santa Cruz. You know it. But listen. And, and you're you loading up the, in the dark too, right? In the low F fight, it's not that bad. I got lights in my truck, but yeah. you know what the thing is? You need to put on the list of uh, of places in Hollister, like historical mention is mm-hmm. where Bukaki Dave went through the tree. Like the Looney Tunes <laughs> character. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was like one of these marks with the leg up and it was just like silhouette through like the side of a tree and then like 30 feet down we're like oh my god the kid's fucking dead he's yeah. dead it that's was a good story that's a good story but I tell you, bagel don't worry i've seen mike pack up at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> this is true listen you ever seen a, a tent slap somebody in the face, five fingers straight across the face <laughs> through the wind? I have. Yeah, yeah. Mine was me all Dude, I like seen a, a, I like seen a, a tent like, like shred into pieces in front of my eyes at three in the morning. And I'm like, yeah. And, and then who's Jim's? Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to tough it out. <laughs> that was really, yeah, it was really demanding. I got in my I'm truck. Like, Damn, there goes my mini bike fucking like floating away. Jim, unfortunately, it's really hard to understand you. But we'll have to wait for you to come back and you can share that story even more. But, John, um, it was a great, great ride. The only uh, other sketchy Except part. Except for the flaw with the KTM, which we found. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's one flaw with that bike. That so you I'm going to say, hey, look, kudos to you. You tried. Um, I tried. I, I've, I've, I've been known to say John has, unfortunately, stubby, thick, like tree trunk legs. A lot of people have them. It happens. It's there's definitely <laughs> darling, some bikes darling, you cannot ride. Darling, I'm going to stop you there. Oh gosh, John oh, gosh. is John is compact and bijou, darling. Compact darling. and bijou. <laughs> <laughs> so I give him credit because the whole time we're riding, I'm like, dude, this bike is amazing. You got to try it. <laughs> oh. So finally, at one point, when we are coming home on Freedom Boulevard, which is just a long straightaway, and I'm like, all right. Nothing like crazy here, right? I pull over, stop, put it on the kickstand, leave it running. I'm like, dude, you got to try it. I mean, he's like, okay. So he's going to go for it. Well, first he tries to kick a leg over. That's not <laughs> happening. Right? <laughs> so then he does the the proper ADV mount of left foot on the foot peg up and over. We're good. He's on. Except now we got to get the kickstand up. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, you got to get over to the right to get the kickstand up. 
And he's Maybe reaching. And it's, and I will say it was a slight dip down because it's on the side of the road. So he's getting <laughs> his leg down. He's reaching. He's reaching. Oh. Nothing's there. And I'm like, I'll spot you. And I'm, I'm holding the bike. And I'm kind of leaning it against like my thigh, right? And we're leaning the bike over, leaning the bike over. And he's trying to reach the ground so he can get the kickstand. And then he's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm going. <laughs> Ah. bikes at like a 45 degree angle and i've got it rested on my thigh nice and he's now at the point of no return right there's no getting back up on it but his leg is stuck on the bike because he still can't kick his leg over to get off and i'm going you gotta get off this thing now i'm holding his weight and the bike's weight with my leg and I and cars are passing us, and I'm I wonder what they're thinking, right? Hard. And then John made the the ultimate commitment, and I saw he he just turned and looked to the side, and he just fully committed to like a Superman leap. <laughs> just, just went for it, right? <laughs> and I was like, man, you tried. I can respect you for that. And I'm sure it looked like a very fat monkey trying to hump a football. <laughs> 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 and just sadly, the logistics just weren't there. The, the physics was not working because not he didn't want to. Huh? <laughs> it's no, not because he didn't want to. No, no, no. No, he tried, but you know what? Um, it is hard. It's that bloody kickstand. I should have not had the kickstand up and spotted the bike for him. Could've, I don't know. Woulda. I don't know. Yeah, I, I could we'll have wrote it then. I'm sure we'll, we'll have to play with it. But I just, I just thought it must have been like people driving by going, "What the hell is happening?" <laughs> you, you yeah. tried. It was good. Hey. Um, but you know, you know, I'm talking about like, I've just discovering like more passion. Like I love this bike so much. But I'm curious if there are bikes that you guys have on your list that you ha- you want to try, like. Not necessarily that you want to buy, but that you want to experience, you want to understand. I will say, for example, I've never ridden a VMAX. It's been on my list for decades. I don't need to own one. I want to feel it. I've been told that these bikes can scare the bejesus out of you. Emma, you've ridden one, yeah? Yeah, I've ridden many VMAXs. Are are Um, they pretty, like, crazy? No, I mean, they're not as crazy as you think. I mean, okay. I'm not suggesting for a moment if you get on one, you'd feel underwhelmed. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a violent riding bike. Yes. Um, they accelerate like nothing else on the road. They sound like nothing else on the road. I mean, it's 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 an amazing experience. Um the Gen 2 ones are better. The Gen 1s are not a good handling bike. Yeah. Um, and you've, you've really got to kind of push them around. They're kind of like the ultimate kind of dude's bike. Yeah. I mean, it requires a heavy hand. I mean, I always pictured the ideal rider of a VMAX is, you know, coach. Coach rides a VMAX. You know, it's that kind of bike. Well, it's, it's like a drag bike. I mean, it's yeah, right. set up like exactly. a drag I bike. mean, you you need to be somewhat athletic. You need to be able to sort of take control of the thing. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, you know, it's it it's a thing, but it it's definitely exp- an experience. Well, Emma, what for you is a bike that you've yet to ride? Maybe it's something that isn't out yet or is about to come out. Um, uh, like I'm guessing the new Trident is that on your list? Like you want yeah, to? Yeah, but I mean, it's I know what it's going to ride like because modern Triumphs just ride so well. Um, my dream bike, I've ridden a Benelli Six which, you know, is my dream bike, which rides like an old 70s bike. And I've ridden an NR750 Honda. I wouldn't mind riding one of those again. I rode Mm. one when it was new. And I remember being just overwhelmed by how good it was back then. But that was 30 years ago. And I suspect suspect it'd ride like a very, very well-sorted Interceptor now. Mm. Um, but the one bike I'd really like to try is the gas turbine bikes. Oh, wait, you mean like the Y2K? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. And the reason is the power delivery of gas turbines. I've actually driven a gas turbine bus. And the, 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 the way a gas turbine engine produces power is so completely different to what we're used to. I think riding one of those Y2Ks would really be an experience. I told you about the legend of the motorcycle, didn't I? Mm-hmm. That we were all crammed in this motel yeah. room and the <clears throat> frigging Y2K bikes were firing up at 4 a.m. in the next thing and waking <laughs> up the whole of the hotel. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's a device. It's an amazing device. And I think the experience of someone who's been lucky enough to ride pretty much everything Mm -hmm. with an infernal combustion engine and two wheels, it'd be such a different experience. And I still like the idea of riding something that is so fast that it's like scary. That's kind of where I'm at. Well, that's that's a good one. How about Mike? What about you? What's on your RC eight? Oh, RC. Oh yes. Oh yeah. How yeah, does... I'll get one. I'm definitely gonna have one. You're gonna have one. Nice. Oh, you fucking does... damn right. Craig might still have one. He had one. I thought. Yeah, I know he did. I know he did. I'm just like, I'm not know which one I'm willing to get rid of to make room for it. I don't want to leave bikes outside. But, you know. But that's a bike okay. you want to own. Is there a bike you don't necessarily want to own? You just want to experience fucking not really i mean like i've pretty much i mean i've tried a bunch of different bikes and i have you know all different types you know i mean like it's not like much of them are enigmas to me you know yeah. i've ridden very fast bikes you know you I've want to ride a slow shitty coppers you know what i mean like <laughs> scooters yeah i rode the scooter on that tin butt you know i mean like <laughs> that's right i i mean like yeah i'd be honest with you the next bike I'm going to do and build is probably going to be like a really high end cafe racer because I haven't had one of those and I haven't owned one. And I think I could make it look really sick, you know, dude, but the Harley cafe know. racer, I, the Harley cafe racer. Yeah. What, what is that model? It's not an FXR. What is it? It's it's the XLCR. XLCR. We have one at my work with the Siamese head pipe. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Super hmm. rad, weird iron head stuff. Well, I really always loved the custom Chrome used to have bike kits when you could build a chopper and they had one that was a sport, ca- you know, cafe, cafe thing. Cafe, your sportster kit. With a big twin. Yeah. I thought it was cool. 
I um, just don't know how comfortable I feel about a V twin on a, on, on a cafe. Like I just don't oh. know that it has kind of those same lines. I mean, it would give you a very, a very streamlined look, but I'm kind of wide. So like hold the on. narrower, hold like, on. the weirder I look. Emma. Yeah. Uh, v twin cafe racers. Go. Was there, was an, uh, I know I've well, seen, there was a, a no Norton. Like a Moto Guzzi. No. Yeah. Moto Guzzi is the obvious one. Ducati. Because, yeah. There's dude. There's a lot. I know, but I like the kind of like the the parallel twin or the inline four okay. look. Right. You know what I mean with the with yeah, the yeah. four pipes and you know it kind of beefs it out in the front a little bit and 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 I think that I would. I, I the other thing is too that one of the things that I like about bikes is I like a beefy front end and a narrow back end. It kind of like a bulldog, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, for whatever reason, like that to me, it just looks aggressive. And I think I can get more of a look well, like that. With much cafe. like you, you've got board. massive shoulders and a tiny ass. Yeah, I got, that, uh, I got, yeah. I got little broomstick legs, coke straw legs. <laughs> you know, it's Why funny. It? You remember your I like, yeah. like two rolled up dollar bills, you know what I mean? Yeah, Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the concourse? Like, your con- remember you had concourse you guys took all the plastics off of? Yeah. Yeah, yeah That's I remember what that. Talking about. When that concourse was naked, it looked it looked tough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Looked yeah. That's a good point. Jim. Who bought that bike? Who bought that bike? Frank. The one who just. <laughs> Did he your blow bike. that up too? <laughs> Poor Frank. He's working, he's working on it. Jim, how about you? Is there a bike on your radar that you want to just try? Yeah. You know, um, guys have been building these for a while. And I think there's, you know, there's, there's the backyard versions of more refined ones. But to follow Mike, you know, the big American V twins, the Carducci dual sport oh. bike. Um, you know, the, yes. the bike that uh, Jim Carducci built for Tony Guerra and the Baja yeah. 1000 with the 100 mile an hour headlight. Uh, I would love to take one of those big Harley V twins for a rip through the dirt. Ooh, that's that's so a, that'd be mine. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right, bagel. I'm going to go out on a limb I here. I, I, I don't even want to ride my Harley on the street sometimes. There's no <laughs> fucking way I'm putting that thing in the dirt. I'm just saying. <laughs> bagel, any chance that it's a motorcycle, not a scooter that you've always wanted to try? There, there are a couple actually. Or is it is a scooter? So are, are there scooters you have yet to ride? Well, honestly. Oh wait, can I guess? A, okay, you, it's a buddy with a sidecar. That's what you've been dying to try. No, oh. no, not really. <laughs> um, the the thing the the first thing that came to mind for me was uh, electric bikes because I have oh, not yeah. had a chance to try a lot of electric bikes. Um, there is an electric scooter called the Cezetta, mm-hmm. which is a, a reproduction of a, a vintage Czechoslovakian scooter from the fifties and sixties that they're now producing an electric. I would love to give that a try sometime. I don't know if I'd buy one, but I would definitely give that a try. Um, another electric bike, a motorcycle that I have not tried yet is the zero SRS. I have ridden mm. the SRF, which was phenomenal. Um, but I, I really like the SRS and have not a chance, had a chance to ride that yet. Um, another electric that I, I just heard about recently on uh, the Cleveland Moto podcast, which they talked about in the last week or two, was the, uh, the Kimco F9, which is, it's sort of a, it's, it's, it looks like it's being marketed as a motorcycle, but it, it is kind of scooter sized from what it looks like. And it's a small electric bike, and that really appeals to me. Um, so I'd be curious to try that one out um, when that's when that's out to see what that's like. 
Um, <clears throat> but there is one gas-powered motorcycle that came to mind. Well, actually, two. Um, one that's vintage, uh, which I've never had a chance to ride yet, would be a Kawasaki H1. Um, I've I've ridden an S3 before, which you know, which is the small one of the smaller triples. I think it's the 400. If I remember yeah, correctly. S3 is the 400. Yeah, and that was fun, even though even though it was only running on two cylinders. <laughs> but but I would love to try an H1, the 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 real Widowmaker, and just just feel the 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 fear inducing power of that bike just to see what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and preferably not in any curves, <laughs> but the, uh, the other bike that I would like to try is the Yamaha Niken. Um, this is the, the I liked it. Surprisingly. Yamaha. There's a because, lot, lots because of folks so- on that. Lots of folks. Yes. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's so bizarre and just weird. I would love to just try it out just to see what it's like. So those are, those are my thoughts on, on trying what I haven't tried before. Nice. Um, John. Yes. Um, so I got a couple, um, when I was young, my dad had a, uh, a Husqvarna 360, you know, the one with the, with the red gas tank with the chrome in the center. Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah. I was, I was in love with that bike and I used to, you know, I was like four. So, um, and then he got rid of it, blah, blah, blah. But I would love to ride that and just, just to experience it, you know, which is really one of the more modern new motocross bikes. I mean, Husqvarna's were, were pretty amazing. So uh, one day I'll own one of those, hopefully. Um, and the other bike, the new bike I'm interested in, and I'm, I'm not a cruiser guy, but I would love to ride that BMW R18, that big, 18 cc 1800 cc oh the, the yeah the new one yeah that thing looks uh looks really i'd love to just see what the power is like on that interesting um rick how about you i got a couple too yeah um pan america yes I that's mean, on my it, list from working for harley for a long time while that was being developed and stuff like that is such a new part of the market to play with. You know, I don't know if it's going to sink or float or what, but I'm curious to see it. It's cool. All ships rise with the tide. I'm all about motorcycling as a whole. So if there's going to be more cool toys on the road, hell yeah. Who cares who makes it, you know? And I, have you guys, uh, since they've been releasing more information, um, have you guys been seen about the Pan America? Like, Aquaman's I, been telling me. Yeah. I'll be honest. I assumed it was going to be like a 10 year old, uh 10 year old, uh, uh, adventure bike with not all the bells and whistles. When I think of like, you know, a big twin, it just think it's going to be a lot of power, but John, you have some of the specs there. It has a lot of the electronics one, which might help men like you, John, <laughs> give us some of the specs wheels? on it. No, no. Do you know about the suspension? Oh, the the so one. there's two there's two versions they're doing. There's doing they have a base version which has a, just a normal passive suspension, and then the S version is the one that has all the tricked out suspension pieces. I mean, the thing that would just thrill my stubby little heart is uh, when you come up to a um, a stop, it'll actually lower itself to the ground for the rider. And uh, nice. so, and then as soon as you take off again, it lifts back up again. I think that's super cool. And then 
when you get into the different rider modes, um, it'll automatically adjust the suspension based on the rider mode that you're in. So, um, okay. which is super cool. And then the, um, the last thing it'll do is, uh, it'll, if you, once you lay, you know, if you get the bike with bags on and you're going on a tour, as soon as you turn it on, it'll sense the, the weight on the bike and it'll adjust the suspension based on what the weight laden weight is on the bike itself. So that's new. I've never heard of anybody doing those, BMW. those things together. Uh, uh, not BMW. the GSA, the GS well, rally. So like recalibrate. Okay, the yeah, the okay. GS rally does that. Super cool. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big bike. It's a, tw- you know, 1250 CCs. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited about that new engine to see what they do with that. And, uh, and p- hopefully people will buy it. I mean, but it's heavy. The first, it's the first new engine, right? right. I mean, that yeah. motor is supposed to be going into a bunch of different bikes. So let's see what happens. Right. Like, absolutely. And th- um, they're making some pretty bold claims over the power output of that engine. I mean, yeah, that's, they're saying 150 horsepower with 94 foot pounds of torque. That's I'm going to say a lot of hor- the Harley world too, though. That's at your crank most, uh, at least historically, mm. those right. numbers were measured before going through a transmission and a wheel and life. But you know, I mean, <laughs> same time, you know, it's, it's stout. Those are stout yeah, no doubt. numbers. Totally. There, there's another bike that I noticed and, and not cause I work for them. Although that was pretty rad cause I got to see one Indian just re-released the chief. Uh-huh. So it's a whole oh, new yeah. model. So what we got now, instead of a cast frame, we have a tubular frames motorcycle, you know, it's, it's going with uh, the power plant. Let me, let me jump my screen here. Cause I had the notes and if I say shit wrong, I'm going to feel like a fucking dumb, dumb. Um, the power plant in it, we're effectively getting the same stuff that we're putting in the bigger bikes. And we're kind of filling a hole. Like I ride dinos. I've been used to that for a really mm-hmm. long time. I'm used to like the V twin and the torque and not having a lot of extra stuff. Yeah. That's what this chief is. It's a tubular frame. The front neck gusset's super awesome. It looks like it's on an old FL or something. You can like see through it in front of the tank. It's got a wow. really neat look. We had one sneak through the shop for our local Indian rep and we got to all like put eyes on it before anyone else did. It's pretty neat, man. I didn't get to ride it yet, but that I want to ride that thing. Having all the power, all the weight gone. It's a dual shock system in the back, so it will be a little more familiar for some folks. But um, you got something with a whole hell of a lot of power. It's 120 foot-pounds of torque in a stock bike. Wow. Yeah, and you got something that doesn't have bags, doesn't have a fairing in the front. It's a very stripped-down, normal-looking motorcycle. So I, w- I want to ride that. I want to welcome some more dinosized stuff back into the market. I'm seeing there was a division. Things got smaller, and things got bigger. But this in-between world didn't have a lot. Um, I guess other things I want to ride. I'm with Bagel electric bikes. There's so much cool stuff out there. I haven't gotten an opportunity to check out. Um, I also want to ride my Dyna that I've blown up into a hundred pieces and I'm currently fixing. So you know that'd be cool one day. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to ride a lot of my bikes that aren't running right now too. <laughs> right? I mean, is that a feasible one to put on the list? Can I ride my panhead? I'm not done paying for. <laughs> well, um. I assume a lot of people are excited about the Pan America. I think yeah. I want it to succeed. I, You know what? I'll be honest. At first, I was like, what? There's no way Harley like can like build something that's going to be dollar for dollar comparison to Super 10s, to Africa Twins, to GSs. I'm like, there's no way. It's going to just be a glorified adventure bike for people who want the Harley name. But... Uh, now that I'm looking at uh, John, do you have the price on it? Is it like seventeen yeah, uh, starting? 
It's like seventeen four for the low end and nineteen nine for the uh, for the tricked out one. So, and you're getting at the like I think the Africa Twin high end is about seventeen. So it's not that far off, um, yeah. and it's up there with the GS. There's a chance. This is why I want to ride it so much. There's a chance that they have made an adventure bike that's going to compete dollar for dollar, pound for pound with all the other adventure bikes. And if that's true and the live wire, which has been proven itself to be a pretty, a better bike than what we expected. That means that the diversification that's happening at Harley, that like they may actually be on track. Well, but are they actually continuing to produce the live wire though? It sounded like they may have, Oh yeah, they may have pulled the plug. That's right. Well, well they, it disappeared on the website for a while, and then it came back. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. But they haven't okay. released the twenty-one yet. They still have the twenties. They're so. also going through the rewiring thing, where a lot of stuff's yeah. getting changed. So, <laughs> well, but I'm welcoming live wire. That part of it, you know. So You're I right, have. I have a, a, a. I'm calling it a bike, but it's technically a trike. That I'm guessing all of you want to try. You don't know it, but you do. Oh. And in fact, trike. in fact, you can find this on AliExpress. To <laughs> <laughs> my door. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. I'm serious. I'm, I want to. I was like, I should get it just so we could try it. Okay. I'm going to show you what this is. It is a three-wheeled oh. RV. <laughs> On a tuk-tuk ah, frame, and it's I all electric. It. It's, oh, like my house. Wow. it's electric RV. Okay. How fast does it go? Okay. It's it a has a top speed of 25 miles per hour. Where are you going to go in that? <laughs> Hold on. Down by Hold the on. river? <laughs> How do you get back up from the river? Very. A wind. Go ahead. Go ahead and ship it to Cleveland Moto now. <laughs> that's how you get back um, out let me uh okay there's a video you call mike miranda and he gets one of his 17 motorcycles to drag you out of the ditch <laughs> where you can there actually there's a video showing you the inside and it's actually oh, pretty oh, nice it's got a wall outlet and it has uh, a bunk above and storage units and uh-huh. Liza, how many easy payments can we make to get this thing <laughs> um, okay well hold on so Three just, easy payments of 10,000 rupees. It's just <laughs> 25 miles an hour and an expected range of about 80 to 90 miles. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm just wondering who needs an RV. What could possibly go <laughs> wrong? Because 80 miles <laughs> in a day. At, at 25 miles an hour. <laughs> it's great. Oh um, that's like retirement in a vehicle. Oh, but here's the beautiful part. This is only one payment of $4,000, shipping included. What? <laughs> oh, my God. If we get stimulated for $4,000, <laughs> I want <Yeah>. one. <laughs> okay, now you're with me, right? Yeah. I, I want one just because it's weird. Can I turn it into, like, a coffee cart and, like, make a business out of it and write it off or something? You can oh. you can do that without having to buy an RV. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> What you need to buy is a Bajaj three-wheeler, Rick. I, I think, yeah, the, the ones that are coffee carts generally, right? right? Yes. Um, I've seen such a thing. Yeah. Right. Much also, less work involved. And you can go faster, too. There was I'm a guy gonna, in Alvarado and Monterey that had one for about four minutes. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes, I'm going to stick my neck out yes. with that RV. Yeah. And I'm going to say that when it arrives, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a lot smaller than you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Object in photo may appear larger than in real life. <laughs> my suspicion is that person that <laughs> was <tiny>? inside <laughs> May have been a tiny child <laughs> with, a, with with an adult's face, and so you know they built this thing, and the the most expensive part of the development was finding a child with an adult's face and teaching a toddler to point at things like they're an adult. Renting a Cabbage Patch doll to walk exactly. into the RV. Yeah. Okay. I think when it arrives, it will arrive in a box that's about the size of a shoe box. All right. <laughs> I, I, I got the price wrong. Um, it's $4,800. Yeah. And the shipping isn't free. It costs $2,500 to get it shipped. Oh, God. But, but um, on Alibaba, if you just order 500 of them, you can get it down to $3,000. We could start a dealership of these things, right? <laughs> Maybe not. I have to be honest, like if this was a, a, a gas motor and I could actually like go a little bit faster, a little bit further, even if you're going like fifty miles an hour or something, that would be an interesting way to ride across the country, right? Well with a mini R V. Yeah. Avoid turns on back roads. And yeah, avoid back roads. Sure, I, it could be interesting as long as you could gas up and keep going but and actually do like three hundred <laughs> miles a day. Maybe it needs some busa power. Maybe oh, that could do it. <laughs> three hundred miles a day is very optimistic, Liza. I know. I know. Um, I know. You know there there mm-hmm. are what size there, are the wheels? Uh, ten, probably ten inch. Tuk tuk size. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. They're, they're generally ten inch wheels. <laughs> Um, you know, there there was actually um, I don't know if it was actually built, but there there were these um, mock-ups going around on the internet about um, a Vespa Ape, which is the mm-hmm. Vespa three wheeler, yeah, um, which similar to a Tuk Tuk, but basically a cargo van style uh, that somebody had designed an RV to, to that you could build inside of it. With complete with a full size bed and everything, and and this is a vehicle that's probably eight feet long and four feet wide. Yeah, and and they designed an entire camper around one of these things, and this thing looks luxurious in comparison to it. So, <laughs> wow. Well, um, there's one other bike that I do want to ride, and that is the new KLR650. And I want to see with slight tweaks, uh, fuel injection, if it's really different or not, you know, how much of a difference. I know, Emma, are you expecting that it'll feel like the same bike? I mean, I don't see, aside from the obvious that they fuel injected it, I don't see it being fundamentally different. I mean, the KLR, I mean, we, we joke about it being the cockroach of motorcycling, but it's it's actually quite a pleasant bike to ride, and I expect that the new one will be <clears throat> quite a pleasant bike to ride. You know, I don't expect it to be fundamentally different. I think it'll run a little bit cleaner. Um, 
it'll still do KLR things and feel. Yeah, KLR-like. exactly. It'll sound like a KLR and it'll look like a KLR. And you know, it's it's gonna be a wonderful thing. Yeah, the only downside I think is a little heavier. It's like thirty pounds heavier. Right. Um, the horsepower numbers are about the same. Yeah. yeah. So. So it's a little porkier. Well, there. I, I I like seeing all these these new things, and I'm excited for new bikes. I know, like Jim, usually when we go to shows or events, like you just go out and test ride bikes. You know, try them all. Um. So, uh, yeah, I these are the ones I'm. But the Pan America, I, I I want to understand it. I want to see it. I'm just saying that's it. Um, we have a couple of emails to get to, and Emma. Oh yes, if you can get yours ready, I'm going to read. Just a short one, but I think it is an important one. And this one is from Brandon, and he says, this is a safety PSA. He says, hey, guys, uh, Brandon from Jacksonville, Florida here. I'd love for you to bring up this again because no one should be complacent in these matters. Would love to hear you guys read it, but I understand if you don't or feel you shouldn't. Just wanted to put this out there as a newer, younger rider witnessing this has had me, uh, given me a lot to think about and be thankful for. Today he, wit- uh, today he witnessed a fellow motorcyclist in an accident. He's stable, last he heard, and the family's been reached. Uh, graphic content here. He was involved in a T-bone with a car. He careened over his handlebars and landed on the other side of traffic, hitting a signpost in midair, severing one of his legs and mangling the other. Oh, luckily, no one else was physically injured in this incident. He's he was rushed to the hospital less than a mile away. And minutes after the call went out and there were many people who came together to do what they could do before the ambulance arrived. This man was conscious and responsive to those around him. He was wearing a helmet, though no other gear. I wish him the best recovery. In addition, I plead that everyone be safe out there. Don't be in a hurry. Make sure you're always vigilant and aware. Have fun reasonably. And it is a good reminder. And it's it's sad when there um, are other motorcyclists, especially newer ones, who witness something like this. And it can scare them. And uh, the other thing, though, I'm so glad he was wearing a helmet. There's no gear that's going to save your legs on that one. No. There's no gear is not going to save you. Um, it's, that no. is tragic. We don't know what happened. If it was rider fault, driver fault, don't know any of those things. Um, wish him the best, but I hope he's okay. Emma, you got one to read there? I do. And, um, it's one that's very, very close to my heart. And it's from Brett Farrell or Farrell. Um, dear misfits, I hope this mail finds you in good health both physically and mentally. Well, I'm, you know, blah. I've been really <laughs> sick yeah. with a physically. bad cough for a month now. COVID tests came back negative, though, but I'm not so sure. However, I'm not sick enough to think about bikes. Smiley face. I'm just <laughs> writing to give an update on the Triton I got after Miss Emma stroked my imagination to keep my 1969 T120 company. Unfortunately, no children yet from the pairing. I mean, God knows what those poor children would look like. Some funny findings. It's a PK serial number and the 75th to last T150 
ever made. So the way triumph numbers go, um, PK basically means November 74. Um, so whenever you look at a, um, any triumph made in a certain period of time, you can actually, by dissecting the first two letters of the prefix on the frame number down, you know basically which month it rolled off the production line. And of course, if you get one that was made in the middle of winter, like January and February, everybody's bloody freezing and it's it's awful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally got a younger model than my wife by a month. Oh, God. <laughs> it's got 7,000 miles on the clock. Um, firstly, I bought it from an Austrian gentleman called Bruno. He looks as you would imagine. <laughs> The man, uh, he looks, but you will have to imagine the mankini yourself. Oh my God. (laughs) He guaranteed there was good compression and low links, but he thinks he might not have been referring to the bike. The gusher of an oil leak started about 15 seconds after I left his place. Bruno had reused an old head gasket and put it back with a tear. Or is that a tear? Sniff. Oh, boo hoo. How on earth did he keep that leak from showing during a 20-minute test ride? Um, He changed the sump plate for a nice Les Williams sump plate with drain, but, of course, he put it on backwards. Yeah, she's incontinent like the rest of him and wet sumps the whole tank if left for two months, even after I smoothed out the anti-drain seat. Um, The valve guides are a little hourglass shaped, but not too far out of spec. Compression's okay. so a few wis- uh, few questions for the font of wisdom, the teller of truths and the giver of beans. Oh, that's me. Yes. <laughs> the giver um, of beans. Oil consumption. Before owning a Trident, I'd never heard of the unit MPP. Oh, you're going to learn all about MPP, darling, which I'm yeah, guessing you know is miles per pint. Some yeah. of the Tridents I've r- read about use oil at, a, at about the rate of 200 miles per pint. <laughs> Half of the folks say oil consumption is due to worn guides. The other half say it's due to worn boards. What is Miss Emma's take? Um, C630 guides from KPMI seem a good option due to the known guide wear problems, cool or fall. And lastly, oil pressure. Reading old British magazines, it seems extraordinary that there are any tridents still on the road. It seems every second one couldn't wait to seize a rod and stick out its middle finger to the world through the crankcase. Because <laughs> <laughs> the high-tech trident with plain mains just too much for folks brought up on twins and roller mains that they kept blowing them up. I've got a pressure gauge installed, and it goes down to 75 PSI above 3,000 nice and hot. Any idea to prolong the life of the main bearings? Thanks so much for all the hard work, guys, and I wish you all a Merry Easter. Easter because hopefully by then life will have some semblance of normality. P.S. Where the hell is Knock? We are missing him. And your special episode with all the old suspects on the air was great. Cheers, Brett. Oh, can I can I take this one, Emma? Yeah, by all How means. to make it last longer? Oil. Keep the oil in your engine. It's that simple. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> the end. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> good luck with a trident. Um, you know, <laughs> tridents are an interesting bunch. They, a good one, and I'm not saying I own a good one yet, <laughs> um, are a glorious thing. I've said it before, I'll say it again, there's absolutely nothing on the road that sounds like a trident. However, 
like a lot of British things, they don't suffer fools gladly. And you need to have your wits about you when you put one together. As far as the specification on mine, um, mine's got the valve guides that Brett was talking about. However, mine has got the addition of Jaguar XJ6 stem seals on the guides. And so my oil consumption is very, very low indeed. However, there's a slight problem with Tridents. The cylinder head and the cylinder would die cast aluminum. And when they heat cycle, they can actually change shape quite fundamentally. And this plays havoc on head gaskets, plays havoc on base gaskets, plays havoc with oil retention because sort of everything's moving around and getting wobbly. Um, Any oil consumption above 200 miles per pint, when I say above, I mean, if you're getting 250 miles per pint or 300 or 400, you're doing great. It's just one of those things with an English bike. The one thing I would suggest is I bet Brett is still using a composite head gasket. And it's generally the rule of thumb. And this tip came straight from Team Obsolete, who are actually racing them. Go for the Cometic head gasket. And the Cometic is lots and lots of layers of very, very thin steel. And they are very good indeed. You mean not a cornflakes box? Yeah, I know. <laughs> not a cornflakes box on the head gasket, darling. No, but now, um, if the side cover on your unit is starting to leak. Emma's yes. Yeah, now you reach for the, the cornflakes box. But, you know, the fundamental problem with this and a lot of other smaller triumphs is they're quite unusual in that the head bolts go down through the rocker boxes. So when you talk down the head, you've got all the deflection in the rocker box to tend with as well. So what it basically means is you talk down your head, and on a trident, I think it's not a massive number. It's like 18 foot-pounds of torque. Go for a ride and torque it down again, and then go for a ride and torque it down again. And it will take two or three torque settings of heat cycles before you get it right. But he's on the right track. Um, Newtons. Yeah. Oh, I only deal in freedom, freedom <laughs> measurements. I don't do, I don't, I don't do that fancy European stuff, darling. Um, the, um, the best thing, wait, if you own a Trident and if you own a Rocket 3 or if you own any older British bike, and you know what? I'm going to throw old Italian bikes. I'm going to throw old German bikes. I'm going to throw old French bikes in with this as well. How about, how about Austrian? Yes. Okay. Just approach them with a sense of humor because you have to. Um, I went out for a ride on the Trident yesterday, a, a shakedown ride with McCarthy, and he kind of summed it up best. And we we really had a very, very good ride on this, and I had a glorious ride. But he said, watching you on the Trident, I realized that 1972 standards of oil consumption and oil retention are not the same as 2020 standards. And you've really got to bear that in mind. And even if it's a BMW, like an R75-5, 
it's still a 50-year-old bike. And 50-year-old bikes simply don't ride like modern bikes. So, you know. Tra-la-la. Tra-la-la. You're on the right track, Brent. Just in, just enjoy your trident. Don't fall off it, mate. Ride, wrench, and repeat. Yeah, ride, wrench, and repeat. As, a, as an owner of an old Bonneville, you should know that, Rick. Uh, that would, you taught me everything I know, unfortunately. No. Ha, 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 ha. So, Jim, I know you're still driving. We'll, we'll see if it sounds good. Do you, did you have a good day of riding? Because I know you, you went off for your own adventure. Uh, yeah, uh, if you can hear me all right. Yes. I'm kind of driving over the summit. Um, yeah, it was a good day. Just you know, I can't be brief, but up in the Sierras, I went up into gold country a little bit south of where Rick lives, I think. Uh, this is Sonora, uh, Tuolumne, just north of the Tuolumne river. Uh, yeah. And it was great. Uh, you know, it's not often you can sneak out into the Sierras this time of year and, and get some dirt riding mm-hmm. in, but, um, but it was great. You know, you had wanted me to go to Hollister and I like Hollister. It's a great time. <clears throat> I just wasn't in the mood to be around people and just want to do something different. Yeah. So drove up to the foothills and, uh, yeah, I rode some fire roads. It's beautiful. Um, you can see all sorts of things. You know, the CRF 250 Rally uh, did great with the Tractionator tires. Um, but it's a trail bike. You know, I, I, I stayed on the fire roads mm-hmm. and, and had a good time. So, I mean, I do a lot of that riding. It's, you know, not the most exciting thing to hear about. But, you know, if you get a chance to get in the national forests or BLM land or whatever it might be, uh, I definitely encourage it. Um, all right. I want to come on the next uh, ride like that count me in especially now that i'm like i'm like melded with my 690 i'm in i know i was worried i thought you were gonna give up on the no oh you're starting to cut out now well let's go to bagel who also went on a ride how was your ride bagel my ride was excellent um i decided to well yesterday i saw on facebook that the portland scooter club posted that they were going to have a ride on sunday because we were going to have clear weather that was actually relatively warm for the Pacific Northwest. It, it actually got above 60 degrees today. So, so I decided that what the hell I'm going to go and ride up there all the way up to Portland, which is like two, two hours and 15 minute ride to go up and just ride right around town with them. And I did um, got off a little bit later than I had, had hoped. So I got up there just as the ride was leaving and I was, I was heading towards the scooter shop and they were coming the other way. So I did a quick <laughs> U-turn and just joined in with the group. Perfect. And we had a fantastic ride through a bunch of the hills around Portland <clears throat> and we rode all around Soviet Island and then back into the city and where we stopped and had some lunch. And it was, it was a beautiful day out. Um, and it was so nice to actually be able to get out and ride, first of all, <clears throat> and and then ride with a bunch of other people, too, which I haven't been able to do in, like, forever. So it was it was a wonderful day. I put on, I think, 343 miles on my bike, which I believe is more than I put on the bike in the last four months. So uh, yeah. on any bike, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so um, So it was a really, really nice day. It felt really good to get out. Um, and even, even though I was, I was up there for probably less time than it took me to ride up there or back, <laughs> it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, uh, and it felt, it felt really good to, to get, get, the, get out on the road again. And, uh, I, I definitely noticed how rusty my riding skills are. Mm. 
So uh, it was really good that I was able to get a chance to ride and and kind of hone those up a little bit and uh, and get uh, yeah just get my get that feel for riding again. And I'm looking forward to doing more once uh, once we get some more good weather. Nice. Well, Rick, and I'm hoping um, someday you'll be able to give us a ride report um, and and how good the coffee was at Starbucks. <laughs> wait, wait, Rick doesn't own a BMW. You know? <laughs> and biker chinos, I'm kidding. Man. I'm I've been kidding. With this hog group for a while. No, uh, <laughs> you know, Bagel nailed it too. That's that's a super valid. I got in a bike wreck once, and it took me about a year to get my bike back up, and I didn't ride for a year. And yeah. not because of the wreck or being skittish or anything, but I think just because of not being on the horse for so damn long. Mm-hmm. That, that first week, there was so many little oh shits of me just not paying attention or being dumb or too excited yeah. to ride and not excited enough to not eat shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of a good piece of advice to, you know, tread lightly, shake the cobwebs off, you know, if we're just getting out there. I like that. Yeah. And and it's it's really, yeah, for me, I, I felt like it, like I, I needed to really get my head back into the ride again. Like I, 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 I felt that I was not focusing as, as much as I needed to on the riding. Um, you know, it's just because, you know, I haven't been riding for so long, you know, my thoughts will just get distracted, go here and there, but it, it really pointed out to me, like I've, I've got to get into riding again to, to be able to really focus mm-hmm. and concentrate on what I'm doing at all times. Um, so, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely good practice to, uh, get back in the groove. And I definitely felt that on the 690 at first, I was just not as sure. And then I fell into the groove and, you know, a lot of it too, is like loosening your hips and your body up and your yeah. arms and like just letting the bike do what it's supposed to do. Um, yes. and I'm hoping next week we're going to be getting some stories cause something is happening tomorrow. Something very big is happening um, Tomorrow. Something very big is happening in your email right now, Liza, and I want to hear you squeal like a little girl. I have just sent you something. Now, this is in real time. Oh, no. And mm. we're going to see Liza squeal. I'm only moderately terrified. Did it go to your spam folder? <laughs> what the heck? Well, Emma, you want to tell everyone what's happening tomorrow? I need to get that. <laughs> are you kidding me Emma, you know lead salesperson you, you this better is send, all the things i gotta go buy i gotta buy, wait where is it is, uh, it, a, is it a treasure it's, in, Clo- it's, 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 it's in it's in clovis you oh better get it right now this is a 1976 evil knievel sky cycle am radio Whoa! What? The hell? what? But they misspelled it, and it's called a kleisel, a kleikel. Kleikel. You it's know a, that just kleisel, a little buddy. What? It. I didn't even know wow. it existed. This is a thing I didn't know existed. Now I gotta um, get it. Thanks, Liza. Um, you better get it now uh, because you've just uh, announced to uh, two thousand people. Uh, did, they don't know where. Are you the one who told them where? God damn it. Emma, um, tell, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm sorry the podcast has been delayed. Oh my gosh. Hours. It's amazing. It's amazing. that part out of the podcast. Um, <laughs> in Mexico. It's got wheels on the bottom. And, yeah, you can push uh, it around. And, okay. Yeah, I Emma, know. it's got knobs. It's got knobs. Yeah, knobs. I know. You can twiddle the knobs. Emma. Well, it's a radio. Of course it's got knobs. Tell everyone what's happening tomorrow. Okay. Um, are you sitting comfortably? Yes. Then I shall begin. Um, 
Tomorrow I get the keys to my shop. Hell yeah. Ooh. Now oh, we'll just hold on there. So basically, as I've said many, many times before, I'm inheriting an empty box. It's 20 feet wide and 35 feet long. And there is nothing in it. Now I've been wow. married before, Emma. It's okay. You'll, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, um, it's going to take me a few weeks to kit it out. But kit it out, I will. It's going to be quite small, but quite mighty. And um, my formula is going to be very, very simple. Everyone is quite welcome um, to bring their bikes to me. doesn't matter whether you ride a Harley or a scooter or a Japanese bike or a vintage British bike. You can bring me all your bikes and I will repair them to the best of my ability. And I'll repair them fairly. Because the one thing I like to give, the one piece of advice I'd like to give to people who are contemplating being in the motorcycle industry is be honest. Now, back when I started in the 70s, it really was the Wild West. It really was. And there were all kinds of interesting characters who were doing all kinds of bad things to customers and other people in the industry. And thankfully, those kind of people have largely died off. Is everyone in the motorcycle industry completely honest? No, of course not. But that's largely true of any industry. But if you work fairly, don't sell yourself short, but you do a good job. You charge a fair price. And if you say you've done something, you bloody well better do it and stand by your work if things don't quite go quite right. I think that's a really good formula. Um, and that's what I'm going to apply to my shop. And I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of simultaneously terrified and excited. I'll be okay when I'm in, but right now I feel. I'm standing on a very, very high diving board, yeah. and I'm kind of looking over. And I'll be okay when I jump. Well, I think we are all excited for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. You will Liza be offering credit at your shop for all of us, too? I think that would be <laughs> a great way to start the shop if we all got $7,000. Yeah. Well, yes. we'll just see about that. Yeah, that was a yes. Um, <laughs> so, Emma, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to having Tales from the Shop. from Emma. Yes, Ooh. and I mean, I'll be bringing Tales from the Shop. And I'm going to, you know, like what I said about owning a Trident, I'm going to try and approach it with some degree of sense of humor. I mean, I'm deadly serious when I work on bikes. But, you know, I think... As far as merchandise goes, I mean, you know, we're going to have the Mototown T-shirts and the Mototown stickers, but I also like the idea of having a Mototown whoopee cushion as well. <laughs> you know, so what's that? that? Your shop? Oh yeah, my shop is called Mototown. Mototown. Cool. I believe my friend Jessica and I might get to work on something in the next evening or two for you. Then. Ooh, oh, cheers! Ooh. <laughs> oh, that is. Yeah, that'd be great. But um, yes, I mean, just any kind of really offbeat merch. 
And I think, you know, if I if I do Mototown whoopee cushions at five bucks a pop, I mean, you can't go wrong, really, hey, can you? if you make Mototown urethral sounds, I'm your first customer. There you go. Uh, they're perfect <laughs> stocking stuffers. Not they are. Exactly are there... <laughs> Don't Google that. Do not Google a, that. A um... perfect gift for one and all. I have to say, though, I'm so happy of all the things I've learned from the misfits. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's a gift that keeps on giving. It right is. It and I is. mean, you know, it's. Um, yes. I like to think that all of us, our lives have been enriched by one another. Yes. Especially like, when there's cupcakes. And like all the best things. You can take each individual misfit. You can take Liza. You can take Jim. You can take Bagel. You can take Ricky. You can take all of of the regular misfits. John's becoming a misfit now. And but when you put us all together, we're more than the sum of our parts. Like all the best things in life, like yeah. Voltron. Well, yes, you guys, we're. <laughs> We're getting to the end, but before we go, I've got one more Evil Knievel poem entry to share. Ooh. And also, and I wanted to be, uh, give a big thanks to California Creations for giving us these stunt cycles yes. to give away. Um, if you don't want to write a poem, but you're interested in one, you can go to EvilKnieveltoys.com. Is that simple? Um, this one is from our friend Katie in Australia, and she's titled it Evil Schmeevil. <laughs> I was waiting to see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and she says, Some say Evil Knievel was mad. Others say he was just a cad. He'd carry with him our hearts, his jumps propelled by farts. There's just no denying he's rad. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> He should have eaten more beans on that sky cycle. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it could use a little extra propulsion. <laughs> right. We could well, all use a little extra beans. You guys, we're there to the end. Um, big shout out, as usual, to our Patreon subscribers. We had some new uh, Ask Miss Emma questions coming in and some new Ask Miss Emma subscribers. Emma, are they keeping you busy over there? Yeah, they are. And I mean, if if you have sent an Ask Miss Emma question and I haven't responded, please be patient with me. This is a very busy time in my life. Um, and I'm right, just very temporarily, I'm a little bit distracted with the shop. It's not always going to be that way. I promise I will get to your email. I read them all. But w the last thing I'd ever want to do is just chicken scratch down a you know a half-assed answer. Mm -hmm. I like to read the email. I like to understand it, and I like to give a concise and humorous answer. Because if people take the effort to write in, I want to give the effort to answer. But just bear in mind that takes a little time, and time ain't something I've got right now. But I'll do my best. Be patient. And you know, feel free to jog and say, "Hey, where's <laughs> my where's my answer?" And just jog me along because I am quite distracted right now with other things, as you can imagine. Bagel, you had my something you wanted to add? 
I just want to say, yes, I, I will vouch for Miss Emma. And keep your shorts on, you wankers. She'll get to you. <laughs> yeah, keep your, keep your so bloody shorts rude, on. So rude. Well, and also, <laughs> this is the time to thank all of our listeners. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Um, we love it when people drop by, like the ones we had today, and they got the full misfit ex- experience. You know, we had Knock and Charlie and Micah there. And it's like, just to, uh, seeing everything going on and then Emma just teaching people and it was, it was, it was a great day. And I'm glad that uh, some of our listeners were able to come join us. And also big thanks to everyone who's given us some new um, uh, reviews on iTunes. Please keep them coming. It really helps us out. And yeah, I appreciate a lot, but I think we're going to get out of here. I'm not giving you guys instructions. I'm going to let you guys figure out when you say your name. This is, we're running loose and crazy here. You ready? (laughs) Thank you, everyone. I think it's time to get out of here. This is Liza. Bagel. Emma Darling. (laughs) Stubby John. Oh, he's officially got a name now. It's official. And we are out of here. Cool. Cool. Cool.